I'm trying to, if you can understand what I'm trying to do, little bro, I'm trying to give you that vibe, you understand? Perfection comes with time, man. So special, special. This shit like... Yo, yo, welcome back to another episode of My Brothers and Me. But today's gonna be special because we're doing a takeover called Let My Wife Tell It. Now, normally my brothers would go ahead and be here, but since it's Mother's Day weekend, we decided to go ahead and let everybody go ahead and part their ways and spend their time with their significant others or grandparents or mothers being at that case. So, I have my lovely wife with me, Alicia. Alicia, hey y'all. Alicia. <laughs> and then I have my brother from another, Mr. Rodney Baker. I mean, Parker. <laughs> I don't know why I said Baker. <laughs> Baker? I'm, I don't know why it came up. He's thinking of his other boy, right? Yeah. <laughs> that he went to school with. But Rodney Parker, that is. Rodney uh, Parker, a.k.a. JR. Yes, sir. What's that? And then uh, we have his lovely wife, Miss Tasha. Sashiana to be exact, but you can call me Tasha or T. Or you can just say, hey, Miss Parker. <laughs> I'm not saying that with your husband standing right there. <laughs> no, nah, but it's a, uh, it's a good day, man. These two people, man, we really love them. Uh, we ended up having them as our godparents, our son's godparents. And uh, they've been doing a great job. They really keep them disciplined. You know, they need to keep them more often if you ask us. <laughs> Right, Khalil, no, he don't do certain stuff at the Parker's house. Yeah, he's learning how to fight like a ninja over here from his uh, godfather. Bruce Leroy. Yeah. You know, Godmama able to give him that look real quick and he straighten up like old school. Yeah, yeah. Khalil, no. Hey, you you want time out? No. Okay, I got you. Uh, where's your godmommy at? No. He's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I just pulled up one of your old Marco Polos real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's all it take. Take a village. That's all. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and do a, a speed round without thinking about it. Who you got, Michael Jackson or Prince? MJ all day. It's not even a question, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. I'm gonna go with Prince. What? I'm gonna go with Prince just because Prince gets all the women in the mood. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. What? Yeah, but so no. you listening with a purpose. Yeah, I'm listening with a good purpose <laughs> because uh, we need more kids around here. More God kids. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So kicking it off, man. I got a serious question. Well, it's a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. So. On the day you guys are married, right? Say your your father came to you and was like, man, I want this guy to go ahead and, and read your fortune. I want to see what you and your wife will have, what kind of fortune you will have. So the guy comes up to you, he looks at you, and he says, your wife is going to go ahead and die. And he's going to look at your wife and say, you're going to know who the killer is, right? And he says, the reason that this happens is because you're going to get into a heated argument and you're going to leave the door unlocked. And then you're like, all right, cool. So 10 years go by. You guys have three kids. You don't have any argument. And then one day you find out that the second child might not be yours. So now you start digging into it. So you go, okay, 
there's a different guy. This kid might not be mine. So you confront your wife, and then you have that that moment of let's go ahead and face off. So you have this argument. Now, in the heat of the argument, you do leave, and you realize that you didn't shut the door. So, I mean, lock the door. So you come back, and you go, all right, man, I didn't lock the door, but all of a sudden you see somebody go in. Do you stop them, or do you let it happen? Well, I'll, I'll respond to that first. I mean, I think well, one of our... Oh. It, technically, it's a husband question, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll flip the question for you in a second. <sighs> That's a tough one. Yeah? Because it's like, to me, it really depends on how much faith you put into a fortune teller, eh? Uh, <laughs> I'm just, it's just it, a hypothetical. He reading it, and you're like, man, the one time that we get into an argument... Is, is this the... you? Be- in this scenario, do I believe in the fortune teller? No, but it's something that's always in the back of your mind. Just like any time you got, go to a pastor and he reads over you and says, you're going to have a lot of prosperity. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then the next day, you know, you go bankrupt. You're like, man, what's going on? What happened to the prosperity? Well, it happened after the bankruptcy. I didn't tell you that part first. This is your trial. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I'm not gonna let it happen. You're not, because nah. at the end of the day, like, so I'm a I'm a long game person. So I'm gonna think if I let that man go in there and kill my wife, if that was to happen, I'm gonna be responsible for these three kids when I know the woman runs my household. And as as they say, it's cheaper to keep her. In this case, it'd be I'd be better off with her than without her. So I'm gonna say I'm just gonna go ahead and let him have it and take care of him. Real quick. Yeah. Now, if the roles were reversed and you could go ahead and do it over. Now, say instead of. I know the answer to this one. You find out he has an outside kid and y'all get into a heated argument. You leave and now all of a sudden, boom, you see somebody going in after him. What do you do? It depends on who he has an outside kid with. Is the outside baby mama rich a poor. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say she broke. Oh my lord. Yeah, well how much is the insurance policy? I, I told you I knew where this question was gonna go. I knew it too. I, That's I why I asked the question. I knew it. The reason why I came up with this question was because it also determined whether you guys loved each other unconditionally or on uh by condition. Is it a base by base trial? Mm-hmm. Do I stop loving you because hey, all of a sudden you got this outside kid? I, I want to go ahead and get rid of you now. If somebody go ahead, that's God's plan. You know what I mean? Hey, that was my husband's response to that question. That's and then God's I thought plan. like you. I said I got three kids, two and a possible, right? Two and a possible, two and a possible. Because yeah, you can't prove. Like, well, I guess you even can't if prove. I, even if it wasn't mine, where he gonna go? Where they gonna go? So I told myself, well, you know, I'll stop them, but we're not going to stay together. I'll go ahead and support you in any way I can, but we're not staying together after that. Yeah. See, my take was even in anger, I still love you. So I wouldn't let nothing happen to you. Now, I could be mad at you. I could not talk to you. But if I knew that this was supposed to happen, I'm not. Then I, then I thought about it. If I know they're going in there to kill you, if I go in there, then our kids going to be orphans. <laughs> what did they kill me too? That was her way out. That was her way that out. That was her way out. That was her way out. Well, you know, you know what? what? 
to speak to it on a serious note, um, I am a outside child, right? So to be an outside child or to um, be in a situation where um, a wife is finding out that um, their significant other, their husband has a child or is bringing a child home, and um, that could have been me, right? Mm. It could have been someone living the lifestyle my dad did. God bless Reverend um, right now. But he wasn't always a Reverend, right? And given that, um, given those circumstances, someone very well could have wanted to cause harm to his family or to him in turn causing family, um, it, causing danger to his family. Um, so I would say regardless of which... Um, I know I've joked around about uh, who the baby mama was and how much she might be worth, but um, there's no money worth a life, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't, I would never do it that way. <laughs> I would never intentionally um, stand by and stand back and let something happen to anyone, to an enemy, um, let alone someone I um, said I do to. So. Now, if God willing other things, then that's something different. Mm. But um, I'm not going to aid in anyone's demise. You don't have to aid. You could just back back, just drive but that's off. Not acting is still acting. Yeah. Hey, listen. I just found out you something. cheated. First of all, I'm gonna be like, oh, so you got him in the house? That's what you're doing. Let me go get some C4 real quick and blow the whole house up. This is God's plan. All y'all got to go. All of them. And I'm going straight to McDonald's and swipe the car for a large coat. That way they know <laughs> oh I was somewhere God. outside of... It's a timestamp, okay? They still see what direction But the C4 from. blows up anywhere. The McDonald's is not far from this house. I'm just saying. I've thought about this. Well, my takeaway from the story was that it was about anger. Like, how do you deal with anger in a relationship? Because they were told that they would have a heated argument. They avoided arguing their whole relationship until something happened mm. or then there was no avoiding the argument because it was something big. Yeah. So that made me think, well, how do you deal with anger in your relationship? Yeah, it, it's that, that I, I think that scenario where, you know, the husband comes home, find his wife in the bed. Did he kill both of them or did he just walk out, be mm-hmm. mad, upset and leave and say, she yours now type of situation. And like in this case, I mean, whether I'm cool with it or not, like, I would never let anybody do harm to her. Like, whether I knew she cheated on me or had another child or even after the fact, if we were no longer together, if I knew somebody was trying to, a man especially, just trying to do any harm to her, you got a problem with me, regardless of which, regardless of what our relationship status is. Yeah, because I think um, the adult thing to do, regardless of at fault, who's done wrong. When there's children involved, um, you are family, right? Um, regardless of what the outcome is. And I think all all too often, um, grown-up problems get in the midst of children's well-being, right? So when you can't grow past your faults into a family atmosphere that is beneficial for the children that are involved, regardless of who's the baby daddy or who may not be the baby daddy. Um, you have to put those things aside, although it's very difficult to do. Um, the only way to win is to be able to do that and still consider yourself an, 
a um, kind of a, uh, a reevaluated or new form of family um, to best benefit the children. So you would go ahead and, and try to work with inside that marriage. Well, let's just scale back that because I feel like infidelity is such a, a intense thing. Well, I'm just saying, I I feel like when you marry, you know what you're willing to tolerate and what you're not willing to tolerate. Yeah, there are negotiables and non-negotiables, and infidelity is a non-negotiable. Right. For you? For me. For you, Mr. Oh, for sure. Yeah? Yeah, I ain't going. You already know you're going to leave in a body bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't going at all. It just it just won't work for me. Yeah. Leisha has some in her fruit smoothie. Okay. I love you, man. I just want you to be healthy. It was a bad. It was a bad mixture. That's all. Yep. Slide that doctor that fifty dollars. It was. This was COVID, right? COVID. COVID. (laughs) COVID. She took the vaccination. I don't know what happened. That's all I'm saying. No, blame but, it on the vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what they doing anyway. It was it was one point two percent. Nah, but as someone who is studying to be a marriage and family therapist, I really am getting a different understanding about infidelity. Um, that it doesn't it doesn't happen out of nowhere. It's all of these little things that happen, and then that becomes the big thing that is the non negotiable. But all of these other little things were not tended to prior. Cheating. And I think non-negotiable can be defined in so many ways. I'm sure for writing a, non, um, a non-negotiable infidelity would be intercourse, right? Um, where for me, it, infidelity doesn't mean intercourse. I think mm. it means different things for different people. Um, so we, we look at infidelity in two different ways. Um, typically, as men and women may do in a, I guess, very generalized or um, gender role specific um, definition. But again, we live in a new time and a new day, and I'm sure people um, define it the best way that best fits them individually. But I think that um, you know it it hits home. For us as individuals inside our marriage, two different ways. That's so funny though that you said that, Alicia. Um, and, and that's the, that's the same thing I was I was thinking. It's like a lot of people will say um, cheating is a, a deal breaker, but if you think about it, it's usually all the other stuff. So I got to deal with all these things that you got going on, plus you cheated. Right. Oh no, that's that's a, a no go, and that's usually how it works. It's not just like oh you cheated and that's it. It's you did all this other stuff. I got to deal with all this other stuff on a daily basis that I'm sick and tired of, and then you cheated on me, so it's over. Yeah, it is a lot of being in a marriage is hard in itself. When you got to deal, when you wake up to somebody and you got to go through, you got to fight the world together, and then you come home and you fighting, and now you got to fight. So, Fight the outside elements that they brought in that makes it even harder to be in that marriage I brought up something earlier today as we were um and i I don't know if I can uh, throw a show out there or um or plug anything but we it's a show that we watch together and um a lot of times when we watch certain shows we see different relationship highlights that become topic of conversation. And this particular show um, dealt with a very powerful um, 
globally known um, figure to the black community. It was Malcolm X, right? Um, and how he was being depicted in, what is the show name? Godfather of Harlem. Godfather of Harlem. Great show, by the way. Great. Must watch. Um, there's so much to gain from um, watching things together and dissecting and, and actually having open dialogue about certain things. But anyway, so I, um, I, I paused it and I opened up dialogue for just a sec about um, the women who were married to powerful men, such as um, a Malcolm X or a Martin Luther King or um, just different men in power, right? What it took to be able to be in a relationship with a man who, one, wanted a family, Mm -hmm. children, home, all of those things, right? And be married inside of that relationship, yet sometimes yearning for a woman who understood the um, the purpose that took him away from his family, right? So mm-hmm. when you are a person that um, your purpose is to influence the world, that takes away from your everyday life as a husband and a father and a protector or provider inside your home, but yet being idolized by a woman who sees your purpose and being enamored by... Um, what your true calling is, right? So it's almost like the pulling of souls, right? I have a person over here who I'm able to talk to my purpose about, whereas at home my purpose gets in the way of me being a great father and great husband and things like that because I'm called off to pastor, I'm called off to minister, I'm called off to speak to the masses. Um how those women dealt with those situations. Men in power, right? So that's that's a strong position to hold. And that was just something that we kind of um, talked about because I pointed it out because it kind of showed the comparison of um, the wife versus the person who was um, in awe of the person's purpose right. being highlighted. The saying goes, if you show me a great father, I'll show you a mediocre son. A mediocre son, And if you show me a great son, I'll show you a mediocre, mediocre, mediocre father. Meaning that a father will put his son before anything else, and he'll teach him great things and install great things into him. But when you're called to a greater purpose that you can't even, you know, uh, illustrate or instill things into your son, it causes your son to go with this, like, I don't know, and I can't live in your footsteps type thing. It's so funny, because as you said that, the first person that came in mind was Jordan. Michael Michael Jordan, Jordan, for some reason. And, you know, you think of, like, Michael Jordan being this superstar, like, one of the greatest athletes ever. And then here it is, his children are quite mediocre mm-hmm. um, in, in basketball. Not to say they're not good, but they are not good. They weren't good enough to be in the NBA or make it past wherever they made it past. But it's, it's, it's just funny that you say that because, you know, you expect, like, his offspring to be a, the greatest, second greatest players, third greatest player that you ever seen, but yet that's not the case because, like you're saying, he's – Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. He was playing basketball. He was focusing on building his legacy. But then the wife was at home raising the children. 
and therefore he wasn't able to instill what he, you know, those sleepless nights, them time, all the dedication that he was able to put into his sport and to his craft. The greatest. You know, he wasn't able to teach them, hey, this is what you do. Follow me. I'll show you. Versus- do you. Do you feel like that took away, like, their hunger? Like, if you yeah. notice that anybody that comes from nothing, they got a, a bigger hunger. Chip. Hey, I got to make it no matter that what. Chip. But if you got a father, you know, hey, man, I'm walking into the gym with my daddy's shoes on. Yeah. Everybody just hands it to you instead of you having to work for it. Different. Yeah, it's different. completely different. I think different. that that can be applied in any um, facet of life, yeah. um, whether you're your father is the pastor of a um, church or a large congregation. Um, the way people may idolize or take um, the leader's word or wisdom or message and apply it to them into their own lives versus how their children see the leader um, mm. or father that's in the household. When you spend so much time as a man outside of a household living within your purpose or living your purpose, um, something is going to have to be sacrificed. And you would hope that it wouldn't, right? You would hope that um, who you are in your purpose as a man is picked up by your family. But sometimes it um, it calls for a different way of application mm-hmm. than what it does when you're delivering it to the masses, mm-hmm. right? So we talk about all these things that, you know, people being called to a greater purpose, a greater man. But what kind of drew you to Ronnie? Like, what kind of feelings did you have when you guys met? Like, first of all, how did y'all meet? I, I blew past that. I don't even know how y'all met. Don't nobody know y'all really. So start there. Like, how that's did y'all so meet? Funny. That, that's funny that you say no one really knows us. Because they don't, story. right? They don't. Yeah, um, they don't. I think people see or um, know of us or have an idealistic um, view of what who we are as people, mm-hmm. but they have no idea who the this Parker couple is or who I am as an individual or who he is as an individual. It um I, I had a friend, well, became a very close friend, and I'll tell you this before I tell you that story. And we knew each other our whole we knew of each other our whole entire lives, right? She even went to um prom with one of my cousins. But it wasn't until, um, one, we had a class together at JJC, and then we also um, ended up working together um, at a job for years. And she came to me. She was like, I always thought you were this, and you're none of that. Mm. <laughs> and so um, it's, a, it's amazing how perception is one's truth until that <laughs> perception is tore down Place. and something yeah. else um, is yeah. in its in its place, right? So, um, how would you describe your husband in one word? Quiet. What about how would you describe your wife? <laughs> I was about to say loud, but I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, we can. They, they are. We are, we are total I'll say, opposites, right? I'll say energetic. <laughs> we are. We are definitely. Uh, we, that opposite we're definitely side each thing. other's we're yin, yin and yang. Yeah, we're yin yeah, yang. Yeah, he's reserved and she's more outspoken. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. if I could paint a picture, if you ever seen, why did I think I got married? Or why did I get married? Why did I get married? <laughs> they are Tasha. I am. We are. And Lamarcus. Yeah, to the are. T. Oh my God. Marcus, <laughs> I know your ass was out there calling them girl. 
But it, not in that scenario. My, no, and it's wait, the infidelity I part. I was at your house for like um, something and Tasha was, Rodney! It was, it's definitely one of them Byron moments. If anybody is around me and Rodney ever, it's like, would she stop calling him? It's like, Rodney! Man. And it goes on and on and on. And, and Rodney on. is unfazed. He's just yeah, sitting there. He, he could be like, man, I got a little piece of lint on my shirt. But one of the things that really drew me to y'all is y'all are like a real couple. Like, yes. y'all are real and raw. And like, I love that. Like, yeah. And, and even if y'all mm-hmm. riding in and he ignoring you, you still know the love is there. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no future in the front. And, and that's just that's just it. We have been together. Um, y'all still gonna say how y'all met? Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story. Okay, because the yeah, story isn't yeah. gonna be true. You, li- there's it's literally two. Ver- no, it's not gonna be true. No, it's gonna see, be his version. And it's gonna be my it's, version. It's the real version. See, this is why you fake. say let my wife tell it. Because every time we was telling the story, <laughs> no, that's no, their no. trick. How y'all that's that's their thing. So, um, keep it, long like I'll, keep I'll try honest, to keep baby. it. Keep it I'll try to keep it as short as possible. So, um, me and my boy JT, my my homeboy since third fourth grade, um, we were at a club one night. Uh, Demetrius, that tell you that might have dated me a little bit, but um, we were at Demetrius and. I saw her. She walked in the door. Of course, we knew everybody knew Miss Tashiana Summit. Mm. You know, growing up, everybody knew her, idolized her, loved her, wanted her, whatever the case. So one day, we went out. That part is fine. Wait, 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 wait. What caught your What caught your eye? What caught your eye? So what was was it? The outfit? It was the outfit. So. See, I walked past you. It was I like so, so. So this how no, this how it was. So we standing in there, uh, me and my boy JT, by the pool table, and in, in she walks with this sundress on, and it looked like the sundress was just sundress. Cool. She had her Marilyn mo- uh, Marilyn Monroe moment yep. uh-huh. where the air just kind of floated underneath her dress, and it was, it, oh, it was okay. like that. That's that in my mind. Tim, that's how how she temptation called you, yeah. So I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was telling my boy, I was like, here she come. Like, there go, there go Tasha. So I'm like, uh, I ain't seen her since junior high. Uh-oh. And um, I was like, one day I'm going to get her. Oh, you pulled the mic from the wood, huh? Was like, yeah. <laughs> one day I'm going to get her. She going to be mine. I think you party. <laughs> but, but this the thing, though. I didn't say nothing to her that day. I didn't say not a thing to her that day. Because I knew at the time I was... I was being me. I was. Uh, you was being calculated. You was calculating your moves. Yeah, and then I was like, I was being in the world, as they say. You know, oh, I wasn't okay. trying to be in a relationship or anything like that. And I was like, you know, the moment that I talk to her, I need to be ready for that because that's gonna be mine, like mine, mine. Like I'm gonna lock it down. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh okay. So if, if the opportunity arises. Okay. So. Years and years passed. I don't even know. I don't even. I don't remember. I, I, never I don't even remember what year it was. Like she didn't even know it happened because again, we didn't know each other and we had never like formally introduced each other to. Uh, now like, that part is true because I so, knew nothing about this first. Hey, was, don't be downplaying my bro. Okay, no, I mean, I'm not. I didn't put a ring on it, and you were sitting here. <laughs> Everybody know what it oh, is. Oh, you was smoking for and didn't even know it. Now she look at her. She, she grinning. She didn't even know it. I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't even living here. I was just visiting. Yeah, she was just visiting from Houston. Ooh. So um, years pass and relationships pass. And then one yeah. day 
I come like this is after college and everything. Um, I come home and I walk into finish line mm-hmm. and who is standing right there behind the counter? Miss Tashiana Summit. Out of all the years and that I, have went past. All these years then went past. And I said, today is the day. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> mind you, I had just got out the gym. Yeah, I got did. on a cut-off sleeve yeah, shirt. Yeah, I'll never Again, forget it. I was, I, I was a cut up back then. So, oh, okay. it was, it was cool yeah, yeah, to walk yeah. through the mall. You had a great my, cut-off shirt. Man, you had, had the thought gear on. The yeah, thought yeah, gear. gear. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm like, man, psh, now or never. Mm. Even dressed how I was, I went ahead and approached. And then, you know, got to start in the comp. Well, she walked over and I was looking for some, sho- <laughs> sh- some shoes. Yeah, I got all air right, quotes. All right, get the extra um, laces and socks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, in my process of looking for shoes, she comes over and, you know, tries to assist me. So, of course... I start, you know, throwing them little punches in there. And next thing you know, we're having a conversation. Next thing you know, I find out it's her mama's birthday. One thing leads to another. At the time, I was messing with my, my boy Aaron Sane, who had a company called The Pink Box at the time, where he sold cheesecakes. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my way in was, well, I can get you some cheesecakes for your mama's birthday. Do the fat girl in me. And, you said cheesecakes. Yes, cheesecakes for your mama's birthday. My, this dude's cheesecakes was unbelievable oh. um, probably one of the best cheesecakes I've ever tasted no uh, shade Kim sorry <laughs> uh, but like so I get her to, I tell her look I can get you the cheesecakes I go ahead tell my boy make the order uh, told her when I would get, deliver them to him and then I called her and I was like you know you know I got her phone number it was like yeah. you know we'll I'll get the I'll get the oh, cheesecakes okay. to you. Oh, now, what he said was, yeah, was before I, was... I ordered these cheesecakes, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is uh, let me I'll tell you that part. So I told her if these aren't the best cheesecakes you've ever tasted, then I'll take you out on a date to the cheesecake factory. To the cheesecake factory mm. and buy you cheesecake. Mm. That was smooth. So he said wasn't. he had a win-win regardless. <laughs> it was it was a win-win for me, but I tried to set it up real smooth, like so. But of course, she loved them, and her mama loved them. He brought and, the cheesecake, though. Oh, oh. He brought me a sample back that day. Yeah, I told her I would. I would bring her back a sample that night. So get, I, I go home. You real persistent, my brother. Please, I, I was laying it on thick. So I go home. Get dressed. I, I take a shower. I get fresh. I smell good. Clothes, clone the whole nine. I'm I'm ready, ready. Uh. So I go get the piece of the little piece of cheesecake. <laughs> And bring it back to her. And what was your thoughts? My question is, how did you get Aaron to give you a piece of cheesecake to bring back to the store? You're asking too many questions. I I got connections. Hey, bro, I need a piece of cheesecake. (laughs) Come on, man. I I bought a whole cake, man. (laughs) Look, look, I ain't had to say too much. It was a cheesecake. it's, It's... Look, but bro, I grew up with Aaron, so I'm surprised it. you just didn't say, hey, I need Look, a piece of cheesecake for this person right here. I ain't had to say no names. It's just like I just needed it, and he understood. <laughs> That's you know, what's we, up. It, it was a move So I was did he tell make. the story right? He told the story very accurately. I'm very she, proud of you. So, yes, we are in one accord on how we met. And okay. we've been together ever since. So, But lo and behold, what the part that I did miss, like from her mind state, even though I was plotting on her, 
She was plotting on me too when I walked in the store. She now, this is where, this she was, is where she we was go wrong. Tell she, the truth. Now listen, honestly, look, tell the truth. I moved here from Houston. Mm-hmm. This is accurately. Um, mm-hmm. I was supposed to be on a one year relocation. <laughs> That was almost 15 years ago. And I'm just going to say that. But we want to know, was you plotting on my boy when you saw him walk in the store? You know, he looked like something fun to do. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can't take her nowhere. She said you was a tall glass of water. And she was thirsty. <laughs> she was thirsty. Look, when I moved here January 11th, um, I think of 2009 or something like that, it was extremely cold, right? It was like snow blizzard. I had been in Houston for 10 years, so mm. I didn't own a coat. I didn't own... I literally was indoors from January to, like, March, right? So I hadn't been out. I hadn't been out. I hadn't been. I hadn't met anybody, just family. I hadn't done anything since I had moved back home, but work, 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 work. So the fact that it looked like spring walking oh. into my store... Ah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, it looked like the flowers was about to blossom (laughs) yeah yeah she knew what it was okay so now fast forward how long did it take you to say I want to marry this woman five years Five, asked, five years before he, he, five he years knew to before ask. he knew five before y'all even had an encounter though. I don't know like as far as like time per se I knew, like, within probably about, I, I would say about uh, three-year three mark, two and a half, three years. Oh, so it didn't take you the six months that they posting out on Facebook? And that's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a story. Was y'all, was y'all living together before y'all got, you proposed? Mm, kind of, sort of, but kinda. not nothing. Not really, really. Did that help? Did that help with the way you? It helped me in a sense that, you know, well, I'll say this, like, there's been a lot of growing up with my wife um, in our relationship. I think she's the one who encouraged me to get my first apartment. Mm. And within me getting my first apartment, it helped me see what um, what value she can bring to the table. Why do you think she encouraged you to get your first apartment? <laughs> if my face could speak through this uh, microphone... No more sneaking around, huh? <laughs> Just let it all hang out. <laughs> My mom and them might be listening. <laughs> hey, y'all got kids but, now. Y'all got married, so it's all good. You know, I was a virgin until I left my mom's oh, house. Goodbye. So, Lord knows that's the truth. Yeah, uh, that's his story, and he's sticking to it. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. Hey, your daddy there, there was your daddy there was know. a lot of growth. Um, in summary, I think um, I came to the table with more um, life experience than um, he had, and I always well, I graduated high school when I was sixteen. A year, my junior year, a year before he did, because we're the exact same age, exactly three um, three weeks apart. But she's older, so she's the cougar. <laughs> I am the cougar, and I I have always been the more wiser. Right. Oh, oh. no! So, just so, so let my wife tell it. See what I'm saying? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Is why I call it that. Let's be honest, though. I came with more um, experience, world experience, right? When it comes to mm-hmm. hadn't already started my own career, 
living on my own, being out there in the world, independent of anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Independent mm-hmm. of my parents. Um, I have been independent of my parents since I was 17 years old. So um, I think with that just came a different set, a different mindset of where he was. And he hadn't, you know, had the experience of going outside of your bubble. And when I mean bubble, where you grew up mm-hmm. at your hometown, um, your comfort zone. And I had traveled so many places. So I think we just brought um, different things to the table. And you asked earlier um, what what made me marry him or what made me say I do. Um, and and I'm, we're very honest about this. I didn't marry him for who he was standing at the altar. That's the honest to God truth. Mm. I, didn't, I married him for what I seen in him or what he was going to become or what or who I was in order to bring out his fullest potential and his true greatness. And I even think I had that worded in a way in our vows. Um, but I was going to be the one to help him reach his maximum. His that maximum that came potential. back full circle when you were talking about me, great men and their yes. purpose. That just and came their purpose. back full circle. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but their having first a woman purpose. who can see that purpose, understand that purpose, and then and push foster, for, yeah, nurture, grow that purpose. If you don't, choose, I think I don't know who said this, but a man's biggest accomplishment is the woman he marries. Is the woman he marries the woman he chooses that. to love? Because without that woman, he will never reach who he truly could be. I remember somebody said Don't side said, eye me. Don't <laughs> <laughs> side were, eye me. We were somewhere and somebody said they told John it was like you could be president with the wife you got. You could be anything in this world. I was like, Oh, okay. But she's gonna be a psychologist, making a all the big therapists or whatever you wanna call it, making the big bucks. You're right. And I'm gonna be Stedman. I'm staying at home. <laughs> That's not even in his DNA. He couldn't do it if he wanted to. <laughs> Guess house? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. God spoke this into my life. What, what would y'all say is y'all greatest strength as a couple? I can. I couldn't be who I am. I couldn't accomplish the things that um, we've accomplished thus far, or um, the things that we will accomplish in the future without each other. We are truly. Um, I am his biggest fan. And I think I have a talent that only he can bring into fruition. Mm. So um, I think we are that for each other. I think our greatest strength that given our um, given our God's greatest gifts, they can only see light if we if we lean on each other. They wouldn't come to light. They just wouldn't. Wow. So it just kind of makes me think of. Um, I think of like a lot of, I just seen something recently where a young lady was comparing marriages to a business, although she was very misguided in my opinion. Um, there are ways there's similarities. And the reason why I say that is because it's like, I've looked at, you know, different people who build small businesses and look at how they're partners with typically opposites. Like the ones that I've seen be successful you know, you'd have one person who was really good at, you know, being creative and another person who was just really good at business. Mm-hmm. 
total opposites, but together they were very strong partners. I kind of look at it like our marriage the same way. Um, although my wife is a creative, as she's learned through the pandemic, um, I'm typically like a, a, a really um, strategic person mm-hmm. and, and really deep in thought. And, you know, that's, that's where I live. Like, that's my bread and butter. Uh, the long game. Mm-hmm. And my wife is the day-to-day get-it-done person. Just and say it plain. I'm a hustler. She is. She she really is. I'm a hustler. She, she, she had twenty dollars in her pocket and walked out with six hundred. I was like, how you do that? <laughs> I'm a hustler. Yeah, she she I gonna, can sell water so well. Yeah. For mm-hmm. real. So um and I think that's that's our, our greatest strength. This is like it's our Voltron. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when we come together it, it's some some trouble gonna be had, you know. There's going to be success. and But the hardest part, moves. I think, is um, showing up. Once we show up, once we show up for each other, once we choose to say, I'm going to show up for him, mm-hmm. and I'm going to show up for her, or I'm going to show up for myself to self-improve so that we can do better, so that we can be better, um, mm-hmm. magic happens. Mm. And the funny thing is, though, like we didn't really it, it's not that we had this revelation. We've known this all our all our relationship, I like have. I'm saying together, like collectively. And it's actually been executed upon. So uh, it wasn't until recently when we started Amir's Jimbo's um, that it actually started to come to fruition. Like when there was a product executed and we decided to do our first show down in Decatur, mm-hmm. um, which is a little vendor booth show. Uh, in a little rinky-dink mall. And at that point, us standing there together, going, selling bows, and, you know, you know how much I love bows and girly stuff. It's just <laughs> all me. But, you know, just being willing to, you know, do that and take those, spend those long hours trying to, to accomplish a goal. I think, and looking at my wife's sale and her looking at me sale and, like, really trying to get after it together – it's like it did something for our relationship, and it, and then it helped us see how much more powerful we were together. But be honest though, the foresight of us being a power couple is what I married into since day one. Since day one, since you saw yourself one. as a power couple. I, yes, yeah. since day one. I think that Rodney had a traditionalist viewpoint of the role mm-hmm. of a husband and provider where he figured things out financially, um, more long-term game outside of me with other partners. Maybe it was a a guy friend or a business associate or, you know, trying to figure out how can I bring this back home to my wife versus how can I turn to my wife Mm -hmm. and create magic or create our future or create our financial success. And I I, I think pride kind of stood in the way of that because I can do this for my family versus I can do this with my family. And it's truly a with my family with Amir Jimbo's being a success, right? It's mm-hmm. me, 
Amira, him, I mean, us all. It takes the whole dynamic of the mm-hmm. family for the branding, for the product, for the love, for it all to be right. But for so long, he wanted to do it his way, on his own, outside of me. And I always told him, that's not the way God intended. I was put into your life for us to be a power couple. And until you realize that, until you realize my talents and what I bring to the table, we will never reach what you're searching for outside of me. You will never be able to fulfill. You know what that makes me think of? My husband always like said he needs to be his own man. And I never will understand that. So I'm like, you need to be your own man outside of me. Or you want me still here while you be your own man, but you want me in what capacity? Mm. And I think it was about him finding who he is and maybe kind of like some similarities. Like as a man, this is how I'm trying to identify myself and not being willing to let the wife be the nurturer, the person who is pushing you or figuring it out together, but Mm -hmm. more so trying to figure it out by yourself. You know, like you want to speak on that? No, I'm letting you tell it. Let let my wife tell it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when it comes to, like, when it comes to Jerron's dreams, whatever he decided he wanted to do, I'm always 100% behind him. All right, you say you want to do a podcast? I'm about to order this. I'm about to do this. I'm about to do this. I don't ever think about it. But then it's like, um, I don't know. Sometimes for me, I would be like, well, when he going to do it? You know, like, I'm, I support you. I got your back. Like, let's do this. But I always would feel like, he needed other people to validate mm-hmm. him to get him to move in that direction. Yes. Yep. And I would be like, so but why here I am. a hard thing to stand by and watch when yeah. you like, hands up, fingers pointed at the hand. I'm here. I, I'm the person that's going to help you reach the capacity in which God has for us to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I will say this, though. I, and I can't speak for Jerron, but in my mind, yes, I never envisioned actually being in business with my wife right. because I always envisioned myself being that provider. Look, I come from an old school family. My mom never worked a day. Well, she worked, but she didn't have to. Most of her life, she didn't work mm-hmm. uh, because my dad provided. So I watched that and said, this is the example that I'm going to take after, and I'm going to bring in the bread for the household and take care of my family. Um, but can I ask you something? Who was the husband? What type of stress did that put on you as a man, as a husband, as a father? Too much more. But 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 this uh, is so. This then it's is like, the, well, why do you want to operate in all of this stress to fulfill this role that you gave yourself in this marriage instead of being a partner? Like I don't. But it, it's not. You see how she just took off. You see how she just took off like that. <laughs> Real quick, really? yeah, um, just took off. Yeah, Answer but, that. <laughs> but um, I don't think it's necessarily something that we give ourselves. It's embedded in us. Mm-hmm. It's like as a male, like you see the examples on TV. You see it. It's like whether it's conscious or subconscious, it's somewhere around you and in you that hey, this is what a successful father is supposed to look like. Right. This is what a successful husband is supposed to look like. And you can't be that without doing these things, without providing for your family, bringing home the bread, you know, putting the meat on the table and letting your wife cook it type of thing. Like that's that idealistic 
vision of a of a man. Yeah, for me, I had to let my ego go, and I think my ego was like, okay, this is how I saw it done. Like, but if you look back, like Bill Cosby, you know, he had his own career, she had her own career, mm-hmm. but n- neither one of them surpassed each other. They still were able to work in the, inside of a functioning family. Yep. But you never seen the two people work on the same thing other than kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So as we look at like uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce, and a bunch of other people, you see them in the same field working and elevating each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think my ego had to go before I could let my wife in. Yeah, It was a lot of things that I wouldn't allow her inside my bubble. You know, and I don't think it was because I didn't trust her or I didn't love her. It was that I was afraid to be vulnerable to her to help me in that capacity. Yep. Same. Yeah. And I think a lot of these guys that are out here talking about like, oh, no, you got it messed up. You're supposed to pay all the bills and do all this. You only go so far doing that. If you and going back to what you said about, you know, marriage being a, a business if you look at how some of these people do business, uh, do marriages now, they're still doing it in that Old Testament way where they're comp- they're having two people meet to go ahead and become a dynamic couple. Look at Joe Biden; he didn't marry somebody off the street. He married a woman a woman that had money. I'm just saying, you know, the people that they married, they already have money. People who have money marry people who have money. Yeah. So for us to be Two individuals who didn't come from money trying to make money and make something greater than ourselves, it's hard to let that ego go and, and thrive. Yeah, I mean, because you, you're, you're taught to be the worker. So it's like it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to step back away from what's been ingrained in me my entire life and say, oh, no, it's not supposed to be like that. Your wife is supposed to be the one who you work with to get you further ahead. Like you don't often like you don't often see the stories that tell you, okay, this was something like you know you'll hear, oh, behind every great man is a, a, a even greater woman. You'll hear that, but that's that's the extent of it. Like when you're seeing people grow up to these crazy heights of success, it's not like, oh, you see this guy who made it from rags to riches, but it's not. You, you don't often see the whole story with the wife included. You're just seeing the man's part of the story. So it's like they don't give you that behind-the-scenes look. But now like they, now they try to, they'll, they'll say little things here and there, but they're never really given like that, that woman her full credit of, to what she put forward in, in that relationship to help it get to where it went. So it's like with them not showing that, you're still seeing it as, oh, this man worked this business from the ground up and became successful. You don't get to see the full picture. Yeah, uh, I think it was like uh, two men in one cup. I mean, not two men in one two men in a truck. Uh, it was a guy and his buddy that started the company, but his wife was the one that was an accountant, getting them jobs and things like that, that was really pushing forward. And she put them, all right, two men in a truck. That's what they called it. Yeah. But they don't tell the story about how the wife started and how she was doing this. Uh, Old Dominion, the company I work for, they were the same way. The husband ended up uh, doing all he could, driving a truck, but she was the one that that was smart enough on the business side to make sure that they didn't go under ever. 
It was two times that in uh, throughout the story that they tell, oh yeah, mom was smart enough to say no. Think about this, and he was he was wise enough to listen to her. Yeah. So, it, a lot of women do have the power play in the house. I just feel like a lot of people want to just make it. You be a boss, be and you be you know a hustler and do what you're supposed to do, and they separate us, and then our egos are growing, and we're never growing together. Yep. So I think too that gets in the way of you learning who you marry. Who? Okay, idealistically, men want a wife. They want a wife, someone. They want to put a baby in her, have a family. They want that title, right? They want to be able to say, I have a wife, I have children, I have a home. Those are accolades. Those are measures of success, right? Mm -hmm. But who do you marry? Who are you marrying and for what purpose, right? Yes, she may be wife material, but what are her dreams and her aspirations, Leisha was a person independent of a husband before she got married. Mm-hmm. Who is this woman and what are her needs outside of bearing your children and being your wife? She has all of that to take on as a responsibility, including her self-purpose, which in your wife's case is being a licensed therapist. So to manage being your wife, the mother of your children, being a student to learning and education, and also being a career woman, those are all of the hats that she wears in supporting you in your endeavors and making sure that you reach your potential, that your ego stays intact, that your manhood stays intact. So and what I say about manhood, making sure that you stay the confident black man that she needs to head her household. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, a lot of men don't allow their wives to go ahead and nurture their uh, manhood. I feel like a lot of dudes feel like they have to prove their manhood and show their manhood. Yes, but sometimes just sitting back, being quiet, and allowing a woman to be a woman shows validation in your manhood to men that are looking from the outside in. You know what I mean? Like, I don't got to yell at my wife. She knows. She knows what I want. She knows how things go in our household. I don't have to scream at her. But if I say something like, hey, she always takes into consideration what we're saying. We're not fighting amongst everybody in ourselves. Typically, women are going to show up to the party more empathetic, meaning putting your needs in front of her own. Typically. Right. So, well, that may be for another topic in time. If you want to debate that husbands. No, I mean, men and women do it. It's just in different uh, aspects. If you go ahead and want to say like um, uh, the five love languages, right? Mm -hmm. The way I show I care for you, the way you show you care for me is always going to be different. And in a woman's eyes, it's always going to be different than a man. That's why when men are arguing with their spouse, they're saying the same thing. You're just listening different. Well, what I mean by show up more empathetic, meaning I know that my husband has had a long day at work. If I ask him what he wants to eat, he's going to tell me he don't know. 
but I know that he's hungry. So therefore, I have to make it a decision to what to do to feed my family. Even though I don't know neither. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know neither, but I am going to take that off of his plate before the sake of my family. Or I am tired just like my husband tired. So because I can empathize with us both being tired, I am going to be the one to elevate myself above my tiredness and allow him the opportunity to, to rest. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Tasha, you're right. You, you, you're right. Women do do the above and beyond that we don't tend to go ahead and give praise for. Yes. The making the meals, the making sure the kids are dressed, the clothes are put out, things like that. Mm-hmm. But remember... We make sure that oil is changed. We make sure those tires are rubbed. Speak, 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 speak for your individual selves. Now we just we gonna stay on topic. We gonna stay on topic now. No, I'm just, just saying. I'm just I'm throwing jokes. I'm throwing jokes. I'm Me throwing too. Jokes. Not really. <laughs> no. But I think what, I think what I just that though is like mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's important. Like Rodney was saying, you don't hear about what the wife is doing. So within the marriage, as a wife. Like acknowledge what I'm doing because that makes me feel more connected. Empowered. That makes me push. Like if if you keep acknowledging what I'm doing, I'm gonna keep pushing you, elevating you, doing whatever I can to move you forward. But if the validation is sought elsewhere, then Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I'm gonna disconnect for it. I'm gonna disconnect from it. I'm gonna be honest. When Rodney had all of his different business endeavors outside of me, he didn't ask for my opinion. He didn't, he'll run it by it, but he like, I'm not really going to communicate these thoughts and ideas, um, these financial endeavors with you because I know you're going to shoot it down. You're not going to be interested. So I'm just going to do my own thing. And that caused such a huge wedge in between our relationship because I didn't think he seen me for my worth. I come from a long line of people who declared their own independence. I was raised in the house with three very independent women who I seen watch go to work every day. My father was the, was the biggest hustler I've ever seen be successful at hustling in my life. I mean, there's one thing to be an inspiring hustler or a hustler who really who really chase the short-term money, my dad was a hustler with long-term goals that he met and fulfilled, right? So he, I, don't, I didn't think he seen me and what I had to bring to the table. That passed him up. And so even though other people were like, your wife is right there. She's so talented. She's so smart. And it wasn't really until the pandemic when I was running a whole department of up to like 12 people. Well, he's like, whoa wait a minute, my wife is a boss. Like, really, like, she's she's really a boss. I inspire to be on the level of um, leadership and leading, you know, in our careers and the companies that we work for, as she does on an everyday basis. He didn't see me. So it's amazing how, in our, our at the time, our marriage was suffering because I didn't feel seen or validated or appreciated for my true worth. And so, again, things happen for a reason. People can say that the pandemic was man-made and onset. But I, I I would take God's opportunity to see ourselves and improve ourselves 
for whatever the circumstances may mm-hmm. be. And that's what the pandemic really did for us. Yeah, I think um, going back to the whole ego thing and you saying that he really didn't see you I, and really didn't communicate with you, trying to make sure that you uh, understood what everything was going on. It goes back to the question that we had when we were out to eating. As a man, do you really tell your wife all your secrets? Like, are you that vulnerable to her? So the question that I ended up asking them was, as a man, do you tell your wife everything? Do you feel that she will keep your secrets a secret even when she's still not being the woman that you love? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Tasha put it in a way. She was like, no, I would never do that. My husband is very big on respect. But for a man, it takes a while to go ahead and kind of tear that wall down to start trusting a woman in that way. You can say you do, but if you ain't go to your wife and tell her, like, listen, I failed at this. How are we going to get out of this mess? It, and then I, it's about the response that you get when you do fail. Like, I can remember a time in our marriage where... Where, um, you know, Jerron was vulnerable, but we weren't in a good space in our marriage. So I wasn't that kind, caring, protective of him type of person. Yeah. So I think that, you know, it's all it's all types of things that go into play. Like, it's all types of things that go into play. Like, he could have been vulnerable to me and I was, like, dismissive or, offend- like, taking apart whatever he was saying because he really wasn't on the same page. So then the next time he not going to be like that. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Ronnie, how do you feel about, uh, all that? I know Alicia. She doing the extra stuff. She, she, you do this, you do that. Like five, seven minutes. I'm, I'm listening. You know, sometimes you got to sit observing. back and observe and oh. absorb. Wow, um, people forget you out here, bro. Oh, I'm out here. We here. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing yeah. can stop us. We all the way up. <laughs> no, um, the perfect example I got uh, for being vulnerable is uh, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. He uh, he made this song off Yeezy, Yeezy's called uh, You Wouldn't Leave. In the song, he was telling everybody, you know, I messed up the money. They calling her, telling her they finna take everything. They come into our house and they, I messed up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't listen to the warning that my wife gave me. But instead of leaving with the stuff, she stayed. She wouldn't leave. Mm -hmm. You know, it's unfortunate that they're going through their divorce, you know, whatever have you. But in that song, it's it's really... uh, to me, it's really a representation of how men feel on the inside. Like, you can marry me at an altar at our, our highest moment, our highest little uh, moment in life, but are you going to still love me the same way when we at our lowest? Yeah, I, I think often as men, it's like, yeah, women are built different and they're made to love us through all these different circumstances, but more often than not, I, I will speak for men, but I, I, you know, I might just be speaking for myself. It's like you kind of get caught up in, you, you get caught up in yourself, and you you just say, "I wouldn't, 
I don't know if I would love me past that. Like mm. I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the bag, and is she supposed to stay with me after I didn't fumble the bag? Like I don't. And you get so so caught up in yourself and caught up in like these these stereotypes and these these uh, preconceived notions again of what a man is supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, and not realizing that as men or as human beings, period, we all fail. Like, it, it is not really about the failure. It's about how we respond to the failure. And and we we kind of get lost in the first part of it. Like, okay, it's not about falling again. It's not about falling. It's about what you do after you fall. Like, are you going to get back up? Are you going to stand tall? Are you going to walk around with your head down? Are you going to pick your chest back up and say, Okay, this happened. Now what's next? Right, right, right. Like, what am I gonna do to move forward? Like, how are we gonna get us in a better place? Yeah, I fumbled the bag, but okay, wife, this is what happens. This is where we are. This is where we need to be. How are we gonna get there? But then being vulnerable enough to say I fumbled the bag versus keeping it all inside, letting it alter the dynamics of your relationship. You know, I also think it's like we live in a day and age now where, as Tosh was mentioning earlier, women are taught to be independent, Mm -hmm. you know? So then I felt like, you know, I was taught to be independent. I was raised by a man. And to come into a marriage where you're supposed to lean on each other and you got a woman who is independent in nature. And then you have a man who is independent in nature, but y'all supposed to learn how to mesh together and be dependent. And I think the way that that can happen or does happen is you have to start announcing those things out loud and defining, okay, what, what type of man does my wife need me to be in this marriage versus what type of man do I think I need to be so that I'm not afraid of failing her instead talking to your wife, talking to your husband, what do you need from me? Because I was very much taught. My, I saw my granny, my grandfather never ate a cold meal. It was always hot and ready. As soon as he walked in the door, it wasn't getting warmed up. Lord Jesus. And with Jerron, I would be preparing the meal at the specific time for him to eat it. And if he didn't eat that food while it was steaming hot, I'd be like, he like, it ain't nothing wrong with putting it in the microwave. I'm like, no, sir. No, I no, said no. Same I timed thing. this food for it to be hot for you to eat it right now. <laughs> but it was something that I adopted based off of my childhood experiences and in therapy what you really learn is you got to unlearn everything you thought you knew everything you thought about who you were what marriage was what a man was what a woman was all you have to unlearn all of that stuff I have to say this um, typically what we grow up seeing is what we end up being or hating mm-hmm. or turning away from mm-hmm. right We either embrace and become or we usually run from, right? And both of those both of those are detrimental to our existence as a Mm grown-up. And then be able to be able to merge your existence with a person who is truly doing the same thing, right? And and not recognizing that, not and I think that that's what therapy does. Let's take this back. How did you become who you are? Mm -hmm. Um, And how can you take what you have become and turn that into something 
that's better than you thought you ever could be. Allow yourself to show up for yourself uncandidly, raw, unapologetically for who you are today and build on top of that. And we really don't know how to do that, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, my grandma used to always say, baby, you ain't going to never need a man for nothing. I'm a, I didn't raise five kids, six kids. Well, she had five, six kids, five living. Um, but then she raised a neighborhood kid. She fed everybody. But she was never probably there emotionally. Mm-hmm. She was there, would cook meals. Um, when the men came in the house, they never touched the kitchen. The women served, right? They served the men, that could, whether it was the son or whether it was the uncle or the elderly man that came into the house. That he didn't touch a plate. The women served men their food, right? So as things kind of progressed, and then my dad taught his daughters, baby, you won't need a man. I'm going to teach you how to be independent. Just in case you don't have that husband, you will always stand on your own so detrimental to it's, families. It, like It, it can be. <laughs> Right, but those are the things you have to face and confront mm-hmm. when confronting another individual trying to mesh your life with theirs. Right, um, with Rodney, he had probably just the opposite. Right, he didn't want a woman that um, could control his finances. He wanted to be in control of the finances as the provider. Not used to someone who brought just much to the table as he was used to having his dad bring to the table financially, right? Um, But not understanding what he really wanted or who he really was or how to apply those theories he's seen growing up. And me too. I wasn't perfect. Just because I seen hustling doesn't mean that I knew how to let a man be a man. Right, I was just going to ask you that I, question, I like, just because your understand. dad right. taught you that you didn't go need a man. Being in a marriage, how did that impact your marriage yes. because you were taught that way? You know what I mean? Yes. My expectations for myself couldn't be my couldn't be put upon my husband. Like, my, my dad broke it down to me like this here recently. He said, does Rodney get up? And live his purpose every day? I said, yeah. What is his purpose? He's a designer. Does he get up and design every day? I said, yes. He said, does he provide for you and your family? I said, yes. He said, what did you grow up seeing every day? I said, you hustle and my mama get up and hit it, you know, 5 a.m. My grandma can hit up and hit it 5 a.m. My auntie hit, get up and hit it at 5 a.m. He said, what time do you get up? I said, by 5.30 every morning. Mm-hmm. He said, exactly. You are what you see. And so is Rodney. Did Rodney's dad get up and work a nine to five and then take it easy maybe after he got off work or come home to a cook meal? So those are those inherited expectations. You get up at 5 36 o'clock a.m. because that's what you were taught and that's what you've seen. Mm-hmm. Now you can't you can't make what you grew up with what and make it what he now grows up with. And he can't do the same for you. You have to respect each other are as you are and if that is not good enough to build upon then that's another question i feel like that's easier said than done though because you like whatever you grew up in is those are like values that are instilled in you so it's not easy to turn away from those things (coughs) and how can you build upon them how can you make them your own you have to speak them out loud and you have to be willing to hear your partner say 
look, that don't work for us. Like, <laughs> and you got to be like, you can't try to force it. It's like a puzzle piece. You can't force it to fit in the spot that it don't fit. And I think in our marriage, we really had to go through some transparent moments where, okay, you talk and I listen. Just, I'm not even going to respond. I'm going to try to take it all in. I'm going to try to process it. I'm going to try to hear what you're saying and not be offensive to what you're saying because it don't line up with my beliefs or it don't it ain't how I was taught but I'm gonna try to hear what you're saying because I value this relationship and I do realize everything I thought ain't perfect you know what I mean it's so funny because it's like when you think about it it's not only just uh what I like to think of as unlearning and relearning and stuff that you've grown in it that's like just built up in your subconscious but it's also unlearning and relearning your your spouse like mm-hmm. on a regular basis because we're human beings we change things change us experiences change us whether it be something great or bad death or you know happy situation um it's a constant unlearning and relearning that needs to happen and and one of the things i think i was reading something on uh i think it was uh, Deion sanders I was reading something about Mm -hmm. him and he was talking about the success of his marriage and he was talking about how, you know, basically how he, you know, relearns his wife constantly, like trying to make sure that he understands her and who she is and and tries to grow, like grow with her because people grow like, you know, the same person you married Mm -hmm. 10, 15 years ago, they're not going to be the same 15 years later. It's things are going to change them. Same as it's going to do to you. Like, yeah. Things in life change us. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage changes us. I mean, you don't Kids. go the same way. Kids, yeah. work, uh, people losing people in life, parents losing grandparents. Accidents. Yeah. Life-threatening experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So I'm glad y'all came this week, man, to really talk about things. Uh, we kind of hit our mark. I have an hour and 13 minutes, so uh, I appreciate the conversation, man. Don't want to be long-winded like Leisha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Till next time, man. You know. See you. Peace.